This is the Tech Talk for Accountants show with your host, Andrew Lassis, where every week we have a new guest to discuss the latest technology, apps, tips, and tricks to help you improve your accounting firm. This episode is brought to you by Tech for Accountants, an IT firm that specializes in cybersecurity for the small accounting firm. Many of our clients used to work at big firms that had all this crazy security and then went to work for themselves, and while they knew it was important to have great IT security, they just have too many other things to worry about and don't have enough time to actually learn this stuff. What we do is help bridge the gap so that even small accounting firms have great security at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves, and it's all done for you. We offer listeners to the show a complimentary IT audit and consultation. Just go to tech4accountants.net slash podcast. And you can book a free IT audit. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. And I am your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants IT, specializing in the accounting industry. And I'm really excited today. With us, we have Isaac Smith who's the founder of TeamUp, a recruiting agency that helps accounting firms hire top talent in the Philippines. And he also owns a bookkeeping business where he built his own Philippines-based team. So today, I think we're going to be diving into, I mean, assuming that the train doesn't get off the track. So we'll, we'll have maybe five minutes of staying on topic, and then we'll start talking about like environmental issues, something just way out. <laughs> Left field has nothing to do with it. So offshoring, Isaac, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, Andrew. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to be here. So you started off before starting TeamUp. You're doing bookkeeping. You're running your own bookkeeping firm. And so I'm assuming that's sort of what dipped your toes into the offshoring world. So why don't we rewind a bit, get into your background, what led you to that firm, and then sort of bringing, bringing everyone up to speed with where you're at now. Sure. So um, I don't know how far back to go. I've got kind of a winding entrepreneurial path. But uh, yeah, so I have a bookkeeping business, Summit Commerce Advisors. I run that with a partner. Um, and we started in the perfect time to ever start a business, Jan- January of 2020. Um, <laughs> and so... You know, everything was going as normal as it should be. Everything is just fine. And um, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, so we we grew that business over the course of the past uh, three and a half years. And we've, we've built our team in the Philippines, right? We're a growing, growing company, right? We need staff. And my background, I've, I've, built other businesses before, and I've worked with a lot of people overseas. And so that's just comfortable for me. <laughs> if somebody told me I had to go start an office here in Portland and hire people locally, I, that would be, that would freak me out. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh. So that's just, that's yeah. just normal, right? Especially Whereas, the local. There's, I've, I've been in Portland a couple of times that you, you've got a lot of, you got, Hey, people lot are of, great out here. <laughs> oh no, I'm not saying the I'm not saying the people people. I'm saying some of the some some people that uh that enjoy tents not in yeah. the uh yeah, not yeah. in the woods. Well, so. yeah, you mentioned uh going down a, a side path rabbit hole. That's a that's a whole other right. dimension. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, like I was saying, hiring people overseas was just, it's been normal to me for the past nine years or so uh, at this point. And so that's just what we did. I mean, it was just the obvious answer to, well, we're bringing on more clients. This work needs to be done. Let's hire more people in the Philippines. And so uh, we that's how we built our team. They're great. They're fantastic, lovely, wonderful people. Great to work with. They do fantastic work. Our clients are happy. And so that's that's what we were doing for a couple of years. And then we started networking with more accounting accountants and people in the space. And we found out, oh my gosh, they're struggling because they would tell us, oh my gosh, I can't find anybody. You know, it's so hard to find good staff. And, you know, I was aware that there's a staffing shortage in all industries right now, uh, but I didn't know that, I didn't know the specifics in accounting. And so it was, it was basically a story of saying, oh, well, have you considered hiring people in the Philippines? They're great. And they're like, and they they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this. Tell me more. How do you do this? And so we just kind of explain, this is what we do. You go ahead and go out and hire some people. And the response was, oh my gosh, that's just so much work. I don't know where I would start. Can you just do it for me? And was we're like, well, sure, I guess so. And so over the past year. About a year and a half ago, we started working with other accountants to bring in uh, direct hires in the Philippines for them. And they were really happy and they told other people and it just kind of grew from there. So here I am now. <laughs> We've created Team Up as a different, as a new company. And um, it's really an exciting place to be helping out. And so, what's sort of different here is you're working directly right so the accountants are essentially they are hiring staff that are offshore as opposed to the traditional model of you have your office of tons of people that are sort of under your umbrella and you kind of call the shots run everything this is this is more of just a different approach of hiring direct like remote work just they are doing the remote work instead of in your town, state, United States. It's it's a direct hire. So a full-time employee for the most part. And so your role in it is just assisting them with finding talent elsewhere. Mm-hmm. in the yeah. offshore so it's not they hire you and you manage everything it's you're acting as a consultant essentially right 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 so that's what i i didn't know that we were doing things differently i just knew that this is what works this is what worked for me um is to hire people directly and i would you know it's for, from my perspective is like well why wouldn't you do that why would you pay twice as much to have some other company involved. Um, and so um, I think that's that's what people want if they know it's possible. And so yeah, we we we're essentially just recruiting 
Um, whereas I think the traditional model is you, yeah, like you said, you go through some other company and they have an office somewhere that they bring everybody, you know, they commute to, they give them desks and laptops and all of that. They insert layers of management. And also the other thing with that, the problem with those sorts of solutions is your staff isn't really your staff. And sometimes they can swap people in and out. Not always, but I hear that a lot from people who come and talk to me. And the other thing is, if you decide, you know what, thanks, um, but I've got it from here. I don't need you involved anymore. You can't, t- you can't leave them with your staff. Um, you know, like if you decide, I'd rather my staff member get paid this whole salary instead of half of it or whatever it is, you can't do that. Um, And so, yeah, this is just, it's just always made sense to me. And so we're, we're helping people go direct. So I know a lot of, a lot of people in their head, and this was probably more so the case pre 2020, but still holds true even today with the concept of offshoring, I'd say it's probably a little more accepted these days just because there was the giant work from home movement. So people Mm -hmm. are more familiar with it now and understanding of it than they would have say four years ago where it's like, Oh, work from home. Like you don't do work then like work means (laughs) work means go to an office and like work from home is what you do after you leave the office. And so so I'd be, I'd say that it's probably across the board a little more uh, embraced. However, you know, I'd assume that there's there is a conception, and I'll share my own experience on this. But when we were exploring offshoring, this was 2018, 19, so pre-COVID, where it was, I, I don't think taboo is the right word, but it was just not as understood as it is now, and. Um, so we had, we had worked with an agency and the person that, that they gave us to, to work with us, he, he did a fantastic job. Like we were a little concerned. What's the quality going to be like? What's the response going to be like? And he ended up just outperforming the entitled people in the office. (laughs) And it was like, you know, they're, they're, they feel a certain kind of way that, he's not physically in the office. And like on our side, we feel a certain kind of way that he's doing way better at his job than the other people. So it kind of opened our eyes. We got a bit of a taste of it, but do you see people kind of with that hesitation as well about the quality of hiring in other countries? I think for people who this is a new idea, that's certainly a question that they have. But I think the more like kind of your experience goes, especially after 2020, working from home is more normal. I think that preconception is slowly disappearing on its own. There are certainly challenges to working with a remote team and you don't have a lot of the same you don't have a lot of the same natural team environment 
for example, like there, there are, of course, trade-offs working remotely. And this is true. I don't know where your, your guy was, if it was in the United States or not, but um, uh, he was in the Philippines. Okay. But yeah, I think regardless what, you know, remote is remote. And once you go remote, it matters a lot less what country they're in. Although time zones are a question, right? How do you manage that? But yeah, I think, I think remote, I think, I mean, almost all of us have worked remote and almost all of us have been able to be productive remotely. And it comes down to then mostly personal preference, I think. But yeah, I mean, what we try to do, you, you can't, I think a long time ago, there was this misconception. There was a reality that, you know, quote unquote, outsourcing would get you a lower quality of work. Um, and yeah, that was true like 15 or 20 years ago um, because it was all just so, so new. But what, and, and today, if you hire someone, if you do a, if you hire someone who you shouldn't, right? If you hire someone who doesn't have the training or the skills or the attitude, yeah, you're not going to have a great experience and you're not going to have a great result. And the, the same is true when you're hiring locally for in, in office, right? If you do a bad job recruiting, the, the quality of work is going to be poor. So what we try to do is we try to find people who not only have the skills and experience and training, but we spend, we really focus a lot on getting that attitude. So we, when I hire people for my team, I only want to hire people who are ambitious and excited, right? Like why, why not? Those people exist. So why not find them? So if you find someone who's just thrilled to be here, excited for an opportunity to grow their career and do something great, you know, that person's going to put out great work and, I, and they're going to be fun to work with. And having those people, like if you decommoditize a job and just get down to, you know, why would somebody want to work with your firm over mm. the thousands and thousands of others? And I'm yes. saying from a client perspective, you know, if you got your entire company and replaced it with everyone that's still doing the same, like the same output, but different people, like that's going to change the culture and the experience and what your clients are getting. So, I mean, for us, you know, doing remote tech support, I mean, the clients, they click a button and they get it fixed, like in a super, super, you know, reduced nutshell, like that's what they want. It's broken, click a button, get it fixed. But the piece of it that isn't just a copy paste is the attitude and the friendliness of yeah. the people that are working. Cause you can train any skill, but really the attitude of someone has actually had this experience. Um, maybe last week, two weeks ago where I was, I was talking, uh, with someone, a customer support thing. And, um, and she was off like the tiniest accent, right? Like whatever. It wasn't a, I can't believe, you know, how unpatriotic it was just like, it's the slightest <laughs> accent. Like your English is fluent, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just 
the enunciation is a fraction of a percent different than um than what someone in America would sound like. And but what she had said though, she's like, Oh, what's your role in the company? And I said, Oh, I'm the CEO. And she was like, Oh, wow, I'm talking to the <laughs> most important person in your company. That's so cool. And I was like, I didn't know that was a response someone could have, but like she was like genuinely like excited to be speaking to, yeah. or she was just patronizing me and just like, I don't care. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, that personality though, like yeah. that's, that's really when, when people are, are doing business with. So, so as far as the quality of work, that's sort of a, it maybe used to be true, but we're, we're not really in that same space. So would would just sort of the lower level um, positions be the ones that you have zero worries about or like some of the higher level ones, are those also perfectly the same to offshore? I'm sure there's still like the hesitation of, okay, the quality on some of the easier stuff, whatever, but like where we need to get people with more experience, does that also exist or is there sort of a cutoff where the talent goes? You know, I'm still searching for that cutoff. I don't know where it is and maybe someday we'll find it. But what I can tell you is that people are great everywhere in all countries. You can find fantastic people. And if you think about this, the world, how it's evolving, we're becoming more and more digital and the boundaries that used to exist, yeah, there are some boundaries, but they're evaporating, you know, over time. We started hiring bookkeepers for our business. And then we decided we hired a manager, a bookkeeping manager, and she was so great. We promoted her to operations manager. And then we started working with others and it's, we keep, Find, you know, people say, well, I have this need. How about this? In fact, just this morning, I was checking my email and um, we have a project, recruiting project going for a a CPA firm and we're hiring um, bookkeepers for them. And they said, wow, we're so happy with this. Can we get this higher level person? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like, I'm sure there is a limit somewhere. Um, If you want them calling the IRS, that's going to be really hard, right? Because they need to have registration and all of that. But I I think there's got to be some limit somewhere. But um, the point is, for most of what needs to be done, um, unless there's a good reason for that person to be in the office, like maybe you want to have some staff um, like I think some people would like to have that client um, management in in office, but it doesn't mean that people in the Philippines can't have contact with your clients. We do. So I don't know if that's a really good answer, but I think well, it segues I think into a really good next question of. One of our hesitations before the 
the offshoring kind of experiment was what are our clients going to think? Mm. What, you know, are we going to start getting complaints in some capacity? Again, this was like 2018, 19. So a little before it was as accepted now, but still is, is that, what would you say is the reality of that? Like our experience it didn't really impact anything. Like, you know, we ask for reviews at the end and no one made a, maybe like a subconscious they thought felt a certain way, but nobody of the thousands of clients that we have that interacted with that person, no one had verbalized. There was a language barrier. I couldn't get what I wanted because this was offshored and outsourced. How dare you consider this? If you know this, that, and the other, that was our experience was that our clients never even mentioned it. So I'm curious what you, your experience. Yeah, I think for, I think for accountants who haven't done this before, that's a, it's a worry. Um, but, <laughs> you know, uh, so I get that every now and then, but the, these CPA firms or the other accounting firms, I mean, just like so many people are doing this They They continue to do it. They, so I think they're just worried about disclosures or what do I say to the clients? But so I've talked to a lot of accountants. I've never even heard one person say there was one complaint. <laughs> so yes, I think, you know, you may be required to disclose that you have staff overseas, but your, your, your clients generally don't care or if anything, they think it's cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, if you're losing a client because of that, I think that there's probably bigger issues that are underlying. And that's perhaps maybe a cherry on top type situation versus everything was absolutely perfect. And now for this one thing that I'm not (laughs) comfortable with, now everything has completely changed. And, you know, the ways around it, they're infinite. But, you know, we're we're discussing a little beforehand, and there is a gigantic talent shortage. So Mm -hmm. the issue just in our immediate area isn't even... You know, the offshoring and the the obvious thing, you know, people look at, well, it costs less, you know, air quotes, cheap labor. We get into that, but it's also any labor. Like when there is a shortage, you need to fill it with somebody. And when there is a difference between supply and demand and people that aren't that talented, that are local know that there's a huge demand, they can come in demanding higher wages, more benefits. And it's not that it's bad to give it to them, but you know, paying for more than they're actually worth. And then you run into, like you had said, what if it wasn't the right decision? And then if you keep them for a while and then there's severance and then there's mm-hmm. all these other pieces that play into a bad hire back against the wall. 
And so when you open the possibilities and have a larger talent pool, I mean, gosh, when we put our, we were hiring in December for a new tech. And I recall pre-COVID, we put a thing on like ZipRecruiter and we had got, we got 27 applicants that said they would come for an interview. Only three came to the interviews of the 27 that were scheduled. Only three came, which oh gosh, maybe, maybe that's <laughs> yeah, it's a talent. Maybe there's something somewhere on the internet that I'm just not aware of when I Google us that says like, run whatever the case was. <laughs> so only three of the 27 showed up to the interviews. Wow. Two were extremely underqualified, and the one that was decently qualified, he was a referral from someone that worked in the company already. Um, and I asked him why he wanted the job. He said it sounds easy. So that was the best. <laughs> That was the best thing I could get in, in um, pre, pre-COVID. Then nine months and ago. And that's pre-COVID. Oh, yeah, pre-COVID. So like local pre-COVID. to our area, 20-mile wow. radius, best we could get was a guy, the best candidate said, this job looks easy. It was, a, the, it was him versus two other people that had no idea. So it was like, and I think mm. we just ended up hiring nobody and just dealing with it. Uh, but then- Nine months ago, we put something on, or actually, no, it was September, so about a year ago. Um, we had put a post on LinkedIn, opened it up to the US, which it has its own um, like HR issues and taxes and compliance. It's a little messy when you deal with uh, different states that you haven't um, hired for before. But we got 450 applicants, and the quality of the applicants was way higher. Mm. And, you know, we got to be extremely picky with who we wanted and we're able to hire like of the last four people that we've hired, two of them have been absolute rock stars. And the other two was just, we didn't pick correctly and they were gone in like less than a month. But when you have a wide variety of who you can choose from, you can be a little picky and, you know, really set your filters down to what is it exactly that we're looking for? And it's not just, well, the best guy we had said, it looks easy. That's who I want to hire. You know, no one would ever choose that person, but when you don't have a choice and you need bodies to be able to handle the amount of work you have, it's just what happens. So opening up to the entire Filipino community country, what does, what does that look like as far as if someone's looking to, to offshore a position that just locally can't happen or people want such an outrageous rate for, it's just not economically feasible. So what's that look like when you open it up in the accounting industry? Yeah. Well, I can, I can share, uh, let's start a little bit broad and talk about the Philippines. Some people you know, you haven't asked me why the Philippines. Some people ask this question, you know, like, yeah, that's- why not Why not hire in India or Pakistan or whatever? And you know what? Those are not bad places. It's just that the Philippines has worked really well for me in the past. I have worked with people all around the world. Uh, Egypt was the most interesting and surprising place to randomly hire some somebody from once um 
and yeah, th- what I can say is there are great people everywhere in the world. The Philippines is a special place, and it's special for a few reasons. One is, of course, the connection that they've had with the U.S. Uh, over all these decades. That there's a there are fairly close ties culturally and they teach english there i didn't know this until recently actually i was looking looking up stats on the philippines and depending on what source you you choose uh they're either either the fourth or the fifth largest english speaking country in the world so of the countries with the number of fluent english speakers fourth or fifth largest that kind of surprised me but my experience there is yeah they speak english and um so that's of course a bonus right you want to be able to communicate with <laughs> a bonus that we can speak right. to each other yeah. yeah we can communicate what work needs to be done You're right uh, uh so that's a good thing and also i i don't know if that's the reason but for whatever reason you know, when outsourcing started to become a thing, India, I think for a similar reason, they, there's English over there, English speakers over there. Um, India and the Philippines became like these two hubs of outsourcing. And so in the Philippines, that's become one of their largest industries. I don't know if it's, it's probably not the largest industry, but for accounting, for customer service, for all sorts of things, there are, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people who have been doing this now for a decade plus. Or maybe if one person hasn't been doing it for a decade, but the industry has been. So they're beca- they have become familiar with the American way of doing business or the Australian way or whatever. Um, and so they're, they're used, they, they, there's a high, there's a, a critical mass now of people over there who speak great English and they have the skills and they've been working with Western companies for all these years. So it's, it's, it's just a great talent pool. And and in addition to that, I went there to, to visit the team. We had a team retreat last year and getting to see the country I mean, it was an amazing experience, of course. But one thing that I noticed is, wow, people are young here. So they have a population of something like 125 million, something like that. And it's noticeably young, a lot of young professionals, highly educated. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's a great talent pool, great place to hire from. I'll say one more thing, actually. One, so that's, not super new. What is new is post-COVID, right? So interestingly enough, uh, the pandemic created a labor shortage or maybe exacerbated a labor shortage, I don't know which, here in this country and other Western countries. But what happened, if you put yourself, be empathetic a bit to those in the Philippines, um, they also were sent home from their offices and for like a year and a half or so. And then they were asked to come back to the office. And you can imagine 
they have like a two to three hour commute each way a lot of times because the traffic is so horrendous in these big cities that they're at home. They're like, nah, I don't want to go back. <laughs> just like just like those of us here don't want to go back. Well, they also don't want to go back. And so what that did was that took a very professional section of the industry, people who had choice, people who had no reason to look for work outside of their corporate office environment before because they were doing very well. Now, suddenly they do want other work and they're looking online. And so what that's done is we had great, we had great people available to us before, but now we have a higher level of talent available to us that we did not have before 2020, which I think is fascinating. And so it goes back to the earlier question is, is there an upper limit? I don't know, but we have really great people available to us. And I think one of the maybe, you know, one of the, I think the benefits in the past had always been, well, you can get low cost labor in other countries. So, you know, you could pay someone way less in the Philippines than you would someone equally in America. So, you know, it's just, it's so inexpensive to do that. So just do it just purely financial. And then the argument would be, well, you're paying them, you know, such a small amount relatively, you know, that's not a livable wage if it were in America, but the currency conversion, I mean, it's, it's pretty drastic, like a US dollar to, um, I forget which currency. They, Philippines peso. The Philippines peso. So what's, what's the conversion value essentially of like a hundred, like a hundred US dollars? What does that equal? To? Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm doing on air math, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you one USD. I looked it up just now while we were talking earlier is 56 pesos. So 560. Um, yeah. So, but I think or this is 5,600. I'm not even going to attempt a hundred times. Yeah. Public math is a bad idea always. Yeah. What was I, what was I thinking? All right. 56 X go. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, this is an accounting audience we're talking to. Come on. <laughs> They're going to call us out. We're keeping on keeping everyone on their feet. Yeah. Um, so what I think, you know, I'm not really sure if, you know, the actual 56 to one is the critical or the important thing. Let, I think let's, let's talk a little bit about what salaries are over there and what it means to people. Um, because you're right, there is a lower cost of living there. And of course, that makes the labor cheaper for those of us who want to pay them. And I'll just, I'll, I'll take this in a couple of pieces. But the first piece is, for my business, uh, the bookkeeping business, it means because we can hire these people at a lower cost, it means that we're able to charge less for our services. So like, the level of service that we provide to our clients is much higher. So we work with e-commerce companies. 
And so, you know, an e-commerce company at 500,000 revenue previously could not afford the level of service that we're able to provide them now, right? So it's not just replacing labor with labor. It's a different business model that this enables. And so, um, you know, what does that mean to that e-commerce company? Well, it means that they can understand their business a lot better than they could before. It means that they can make different decisions, wiser decisions, and perhaps grow their, their, their business faster. Or maybe, you know, that, and what does that mean? That means that they can employ more people. Are those people local or not local? I don't know. But it, it, it makes, it means that we're living in a different world. And so to me, that's exciting that we can serve these people who otherwise couldn't be served in this way. The other thing that that does now for the people over there is it provides opportunity that they don't have locally. And so let's talk about what is typical over there. Uh, Because a lot of times when you start talking about salaries, you know, people start thinking like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like you're really paying them that little. That is, is this exploitation? You know, how should I feel about this? Well, let's just talk about the reality there. An accountant over there working in an office, again, commuting two to three hours each way with, let's say, three years of experience. Um, It's been a while since I've asked this question, so maybe it's adjusted a little. That person is often making anywhere between $400 and $600 a month. That's their salary, $400, $600 a month. We can't even comprehend this. Because it's like, I can't even find rent for that much. My grocery bill is almost that much, you know, and they're making a life there. That doesn't, that sounds crazy, but that is, that's normal life. And it's not even on the lower end of the economic scale. That's a, that's solidly middle-class, someone with a good life. So when you, when these people are opened up to more opportunities, opportunity internationally through the internet, through our new modern communication channels, the demand is higher, right? There's lots of accountants who need their help. And so they're willing to pay more. So that same accountant who was making, let's just say 500 bucks a month, the going rate for working with, um, you know, accounting firms in the US, for example, for an accountant with three years of experience, that's, you know, about 900, eight, 900 or $1,000. So they're doubling their salaries sometimes. And I can tell you that people I work with, you know, we've, they've been on a growth path and they've doubled and even tripled their salaries. So it's like, you can imagine what that does to, for a person, right? Wow. And they, and they get to stay home, right? They get four extra hours with their kids every day, right? It's, it's, it's such a wonderful thing for them. And then the, the 
another exciting thing is we get to build relationships with these people and we get to see what's happening. You know, they share things about their family life and, and, you know, what that level of income allows them to do different things than they could do before. And they're more active in their communities because they have the time to be right. (laughs) And because they have income to be generous in the community. And so it's really, really cool that you can see not only what the work, what work is being done, but we can see ripple effects in these people's families and their communities. Like one of our staff, you know, they, she uh, helps organize and feed needy kids or buy school supplies, you know, for, for kids who need them. And it's like, it's really, ex- I, I think this is just super exciting to be able to be involved in this way. Yeah, and so, I don't take any, I don't, I don't deserve any of the credit for those good things, but it happens through us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, you're enabling a much larger change and it doesn't affect you the way that it would, you know, economically inside of your company, the same way that it would with that sort of handcuff of the local talent and the shortage and the entitlement. I mean, my experience with uh, working with people in the Philippines is a lot less entitlement than say millennials and, and Zers <laughs> that just, I mean, I, I recall I had one person that after three months of working with us, he, he demanded double uh, his wages after three what? months. And he wasn't like a high performer or anything. He was just like, <laughs> well, I went to college for this. Therefore, I deserve oh. more. And it's like, yeah, but you're really not that great at your job. So mm. not at all. And just a heads up. <laughs> Maybe if you work somewhere else in the future, like asking for double after three months with like nothing really to show for yourself is not always the best look. Ironically, recommended. <laughs> funny enough, he actually turned into a great employee. Like we're still not oh. doubling, but he's, he actually did like, he worked his way up and, mm. you know, is compensated a lot more because of merit, not because of pedigree in school, but regardless, I think, um, you know, we covered a lot of really interesting points and topics. And while the conversation it's, it's always been an ongoing thing. I think now more than ever, this is something that firms should at least explore and see if making this shift would make sense for you. And economically, I mean, it's a no brainer then plus the impact you have on the people that you hire's lives and realize that people are people, you know, you, you get great talent local, you get terrible talent, local people are people at the end of the day. So just because of where you were born doesn't change the humanness of working with other humans. Now, a whole other conversation we could get into, we won't go down the chat GPT rabbit hole this episode, but that's a whole other, oh man <laughs> yeah maybe maybe part two we'll we'll dive deep into the what does humanness mean but for for where we're at right now I I can speak on our own experience with it was extremely positive um, I think just there's there's really no downside other than just the perhaps preconceived notions that maybe you have 
in your head about it. But if someone's looking uh, to to work with you, Isaac, where can they find you? Well, you can find us on our website. Uh, so the, the, our company is TeamUp. The website is hireteamup.com. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. You should be able to search my name. Hopefully I'll come up. I'm always happy to chat. As, as you can see, I love I love chatting and uh, helping people solve problems. And so, yeah, if you just want to ask questions, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. And everyone, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to like and subscribe. And Isaac, have a great day. Thanks for being on the show. Great. Thank you, Andrew. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I hope you enjoyed today's guest. And remember, you can go to techforaccountants.net slash podcast to book a complimentary IT audit conducted by a technician certified by the AICPA in cybersecurity. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast.